Turn, if you would, to uh, the book of Genesis, first chapter. We begin a week ago on a new series here on Friday nights. We're calling The Moving of the Spirit. The Moving of the Spirit. Uh, how many understand whatever you preach on, you're supposed to have some? Right? I mean, if you pre- we just got through teaching on wisdom. Right? And you teach on wisdom for, what was it, a dozen weeks or whatever, and you're more foolish than when you started, well, <laughs> or if you're just the same, what good is that? We're supposed to come away with wisdom. Right? You know, we taught some... Uh, what was it, a year or so ago, on uh, receiving and ministering healing. Well, what are you supposed to have? Healings. We taught on uh, uh, prosperity, and we've taught on being led by the Spirit, and thing after thing, and you're not supposed to just come talk about it and go, hmm, isn't that interesting? (laughs) No, you're supposed to have it manifested in your life, right? Well, if we believe this is the direction of the Lord to teach on this, then we ought to be beginning to be stirred up, expecting, right, the moving of the Spirit in the services and at home, right, and in the car and on the job. The moving of the Spirit. Everybody said out loud. The moving of the Spirit. The moving of the Spirit. The moving of the Spirit. Genesis 1, are you there? 1, 1. How's it start? Well, this is as far back as we can go. (laughs) In the beginning, somebody was there. God. 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 Created the heaven and the earth. So how did the earth get here? God created it. Is that a theory? No, that's truth. Other things are theories. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. It was a uh, cold... Dark, empty. But the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Hallelujah. Y'all like that? Don't you like that? Even in the darkest, coldest, emptiest situation, the Spirit of God is there. I said he's there, ready to move, right? And verse 3, what happened? And God said, well, this is the word of God. And we see the spirit of God and the word of God, right? Always together. 
Spirit of God and the Word of God. The Word always comes first. Someone says, well, I, we read about the Spirit first. Yeah, but you don't see Him doing anything. He's there, but there's no manifestation of creation until what? God said. God said, let there be light, or literally light be. And what happened? There was light. Do you suppose there was any activity of the Spirit? Yeah. In connection with the spoken word. The word and the Spirit. The Word and the Spirit. Said out loud. The Word and the Spirit must be together all the time. If all you do is talk about the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, and you never talk about the Spirit, then you're going to be intellectual and heady and dry and powerless. Are you with me now? If all you talk about is the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the manifestations, the gifts, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, then you're going to be actually fleshy. I know that sounds strange, but that's how it works out. You know, we must not just be power-minded, we must be God-minded. We don't just want a manifestation, we want the manifestation of God. Right? And there's a lot of stuff that's spiritual. It's spiritual and it's real. But it's not God. Someone said, well, how do we know the difference? See number one. (laughs) What's number one? The Word of God. Right? The Word of God is quick, living, and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the spirit and the soul. How you know what's spiritual and what's just soulical? The word distinguishes it. Separates it, right? And to the joint and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. How can I keep separated what's just me and what's him? The word. Right? If it's out of line with the word, it wasn't God. Had to be you. Right? Or somebody else. If it really is the spirit of God moving, it's going to sound like the word in the front, and it's going to look like the word in the middle, and it's going to sound just like the Bible in the end. Right? Because the spirit who's moving is the one who authored this book to begin with. And the better we know the Word, then the quicker we recognize the Spirit of God and the more confidently we'll yield to Him if we know it's Him. So you're not going to yield to something that you're not sure is God. And the reluctance and the hesitancy will, you know, prevent full manifestation of God. Take, for instance, speaking in tongues. Now, see, if you're not decided whether speaking in tongues is of God or not, are for everybody, then you're not going to yield to it. Right? And if it is the Spirit of God, and you're not yielding, then this is an area of your life that you're not allowing Him to move. Not necessarily through maliciousness, but just ignorance. So we got a testimony this weekend of a woman who had been wanting to be filled, 
or thinking about it or talking about it or something for 30 years. 30 years. And she got a hold of some materials from the church here and uh, received and started talking in tongues. After 30 years. Now let's just stop right here. What, did she have to wait 30 years for God to get in the notion of filling her? Did she have to wait on God for 30 years? No, she wasn't waiting on God. It was the will of God for her to be a tongue talker 10 years before this and 20 years before this and 30 years before this. Well, then why wasn't she? Well, either wasn't convinced it was God or wasn't convinced it was for her or didn't know how to yield. But it comes down to not yielding. Right? I know uh, I was brought up Pentecostal. And for part of my life, part of my life was Baptist. And I hold both groups in high regard. And so thankful for what I received. And in the Pentecostal group, they believed in talking in tongues. But they didn't necessarily believe in praying and receiving. They believed in tarrying. And, you know, you just never knew. <laughs> and see, this woman might have been to that mentality. I don't know. Said she had been seeking. Didn't it say she'd been seeking? 30 years. That's too long. Well, the same thing's true about, you know, there are people who hadn't been saved. Waited and waited and going to do this and going to do that. And, you know, postponed and pushed off getting born again 20 years, 30 years. Well, was it the will of God for them to get born again prior to that? Certainly. Certainly. Well, who were they waiting on? They weren't waiting on God. And the same thing's true concerning healing. Not everybody believes that, but it is. Healing's part of the same redemption package. Right? But I know Tom might coming back to being filled with the Spirit. We weren't taught to receive. We were taught to tarry. And that's all we knew. And we tarried and tarried and tarried and prayed and begged. Please, God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Please, please, please. And uh, I know uh, I did a lot of tarrying myself personally. And I know one night we were in the altar. Sometimes be late in the night, you know, into the morning. Service get over at 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, I'm still there. Well, this particular night, we're tarrying, 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 tarrying. And man, the presence of God came in. Glory, you know, glory to God. Just, I didn't know it was him, but I knew it was good. And man, I just became limp like a dish rag. I'm draped across the, the old fashioned wooden altar. I'm draped across there. Can hardly lift my head. And I heard kaploomp, kaploomp, kaploomp. I kept hearing kaploomp. I looked around. Everybody up there with me had fell out under the pile. And was laying there in the floor just going, glory to God. The presence of God was so strong. And uh, I'm laying, I can't even hardly raise my head going, oh God, give me the Holy Ghost. Oh God, please give me the Holy Ghost. Please give me the Holy Ghost. And uh, didn't have enough sense to realize he's going, hello, hey, it's me. 
I'm here. Didn't have any understanding about yielding. Everybody say yielding. Yielding. So you're not going to yield to something that you're not sure is God. I've heard people say this, and this lady that got, you know, filled after 30 years probably say something along this line. When finally I did get a hold of some teaching materials and learn that the Holy Spirit had already come, uh, he's already been given to the earth, and if you're born again, you're ready to receive. You don't have to try to become good enough. Just by faith, you believe you receive. And I learned I had to yield. Now, here's a good definition of yielding. Act on the promptings. Of the Holy Spirit. Act. On the promptings. Of the Holy Spirit. He'll prompt you to pray. But he won't make you pray. You got to yield. What do you mean yield? Well pray. He'll prompt you to give. But he won't make you give. Right? You have to yield to him. Which means act. On the promptings. And he'll prompt you. To speak in tongues. But he won't make you speak in tongues. And that's where I was missing it. I missed it there for months and months and months. Longer than that. Years. And I'd tell people. i say, well, now if you ever hear me speaking in tongues, it won't be me. <laughs> and as long as I thought like that, I never did. See, wrong believing, wrong thinking. Well, who would it be? <laughs> well, I don't want it to be me. Well, who you want it to be? Me. <laughs> I want it to be the Holy Ghost. You want the Holy Ghost to get filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> no. <laughs> See, people are confused. If you're going to speak in tongues, it'll be you. Speaking in tongues. And if you refuse and you won't speak, then you won't speak. Right? But what I'm saying, and well, let me go on and finish this. There have been times, I remember Brother Hagin telling about somebody that got helped in his ministry. And uh, he laid hands on this person. And the Holy Ghost came on them. And they began to say, praise God, praise God. He said, now go on and yield to that and speak out. They said, huh? He said, speak. They said, you mean I just go ahead and speak? He said, yeah. So they did and started speaking in tongues. Just looked at him in amazement. And he said, well, that's come on me a thousand times in the last five years. He said, I know. He said, sometimes it's all I can do to keep from it. (laughs) He said, you're not supposed to keep from it. You're supposed to yield to him. But see, if you're not sure it's God, and you're not sure you're supposed to, then you're not going to yield. You're not going to cooperate. And that's where so many people are concerning the moving of the Spirit in every area of life. They're not sure. So they don't cooperate. And actually, how many remember the Bible said, don't quench the Spirit? Well, why would he say don't do it? Because if people don't know and act better, they're going to. He starts to do something in your life. And if you don't recognize him, you don't know it's him, not cooperate. Well, somebody said, well, he's God. Why don't he just make me do it? Because he's God, not the devil. The devil is a coercer 
and a manipulator. He wants to control, not God. Not God. The Spirit of God will prompt, He'll draw, He'll deal with, but He is not going to make you or I do anything. He won't make you come to Jesus. He won't make you go to church. He won't make you obey. He won't make you tell the truth. He'll deal with you. Right? He'll prompt you. He'll urge you, sometimes even strongly, but still, it's up to you. Are you going to yield to your flesh? Do the wrong thing or yield to Him? Do the right thing. Said out loud, I am a yielder to God. To God. Hallelujah. Go with me, if you would, over to the book of John. John, the third chapter. Now, what we were just talking about, you're going to hear some more about. Because it's such a, an important part. I might as well say this while I'm here. Again, another story from Brother Hagin's life. And then I'll share something more recent with us. But he said he was in a place one time holding a meeting. And uh, said the Spirit of God get to moving. Presence of God would get strong. And said this woman would start screaming. Just shrill, screaming, and just disrupt the whole service. And just get to screaming and screaming and screaming. And two or three times, the police had come. Because some of the neighbors around the church had called the police, thought somebody's killing a woman over here. And they showed up, and it's just this woman screaming at the altar. And uh, he said, just disrupt the service. He said the next night, sure enough, presence of God began to get strong in the place. She sensed the presence of God, start screaming. Just scream and scream. And he thought, why don't the pastor say something to her? And he talked to the pastor after. He said, well, that's not one of our people. She's from so-and-so. He said, well, we got to do something about that. That's just disrupting the service. Let me stop right here. The woman is genuinely sensing The presence of God. She's genuinely sensing the anointing. Well then why is it wrong? What's wrong with it? Well. The lady came down in the altar. To receive. You know. Healing in the Holy Spirit. And he came by. This is another night. And laid hands on her. She starts screaming again. He stopped. He took her hands. He said. "Uh, Wait a minute sister. Wait a minute. He said she got louder. And he said, no, 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 wait a minute. I got something I need to tell you, sister. He said, she just kicked it up in high gear and got even louder. <laughs> uh, go with me to 1 Corinthians 14 while we're talking about this. Please, 1 Corinthians 14. Don't forget this woman screaming in the altar. Now, we're, we don't want to leave her in that shape. <laughs> right? In uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, 1 Corinthians 14, 29 said, Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. Now, let's just stop right here. Let them judge what? Hmm? Well, this is not just somebody got filled with the Spirit three days ago. It's not just somebody that, you know, prophesied once in a while. These are prophets. So just because you prophesy doesn't make you a prophet. That's a ministry gift. 
like an apostle, like a pastor, like an evangelist, right? It's not acknowledged in a lot of circles today, but God never did away with it. He never changed it. And really, prophet shouldn't sound any stranger to us than pastor. Are they in the Bible? Ephesians, are they there? God gave gifts unto men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, right? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Does the body of Christ still need to be built up? Do the saints still need to be perfected? Then do we still need all these? Yeah, we do. But see, through the years, just like people have lost the truth about healing, they lost the truth about being filled with the Spirit, they lost the truth about these ministry gifts too. God didn't change. People got cold. People got intellectual and explained things away. Well, this has passed away and that's passed away. Said who? When? How? Where? No. I mean, the language goes on in Ephesians there, till we all come in the unity of the faith, right? Till we're built up in the knowledge of Christ, a perfect man. Has that all happened and come to full fruit? Well, then we need all these still, right? And uh, let them speak two or three. See, now he's writing to the church at Corinth, which is a tongue-talking, prophesying, miracle-believing church and bunch. And he's having to give them some instruction because there's disorder. Right? He's having to tell them, you don't all speak in tongues at the same time. And you don't all just speak in tongues in the congregation and there's no interpretation. And you don't all, prophets, he said, you speak, not everybody that could ever show up, but how many? Two or three. And he's talking about, you can see, he's talking about, let things be done properly where the people can understand and receive and not just have all this commotion and chaos. Why would you have to instruct people about the moving of the Spirit? Doesn't the Holy Spirit know what to do? Was there a need to instruct people about the move? Even the prophets? Instruct them about why? Because it's not all Holy Ghost. There's a human side. Right? Certainly the Holy Ghost is not going to miss it. But he's manifesting through people of limited understanding. Right? So there needs to be instruction about the moving of the Spirit. Here he says, let them speak two or three and let the other do what? Judge what? Judge what they said. What do you mean judge it? Yeah, but they're a prophet. Still needs to be judged. Yeah, but they're a prophetess, Brother Keith. Well, it needs to be judged. Judged by the word. Judged by other people who have the spirit. And really, who would be better qualified to judge the ministry of the prophet than other prophets? Do you see this here? Not people who don't know anything. You know, it's something how people come up. Sometimes, and they'll say, I noticed you, you know, you were singing in the spirit a while ago, and there's no interpretation of that. Okay. Is there a problem? Well, there's supposed to be an interpretation. Again and again, you ask them, do you speak in tongues? No. 
Well, then why are you talking to me? You don't have a clue what you're talking about. Right? You got no experience in it. See, if you don't have experience in the healing ministry, why are you going to correct somebody in the healing ministry? You see what I'm saying? He didn't just say everybody. He said the prophets. Prophets judge what the prophets are saying. Why would you need to judge? What are you judging it? Is it God? Is it not? The passage we read about uh, quenching the spirit. Hold your place here in 1 Corinthians. We're not through with that. And go to uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Last chapter. 1 Thessalonians 5. And verse 16. Rejoice when? Evermore. All the time. Verse 17. 1 Thessalonians 5. 17. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you pray every breath. Every time you open your mouth. But there never comes a time when you quit praying. You pray as a way of life. Right? You pray when you're getting ready in the morning. You pray on your drive to work. Right? You pray while you're on the job. You don't just have a 30 minute prayer time. You understand what I'm saying? You live a life of communion with God. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. That word quench has the idea of stifling and smothering. How could you quench the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's all powerful. How are you going to quench him? How are you going to put his fire out is one description of that word quench. Well, you're not going to put his fire out as far as God is concerned, but as far as him trying to manifest in a situation in your life, he's not going to override you. Do you see this now? He's not going to just run over you and manifest himself when you don't want it and you don't believe in it. So you have to cooperate with him. You have to yield to it. Quench not the spirit. What's the very next verse? Despise not prophesying. Now why would anybody despise prophesying? I ran face to face with this just a few months ago. A fella was considering coming to work for us here. And he... uh Asked me, did I believe in prophecy? I said, yeah. He said, I mean prophesying right now today. Not something that's written in the Bible already. I said, yeah. But he didn't like that. And so if anybody would prophesy, like if I would start tonight and say, yea, thus saith the Lord. Well, he would despise that. Well, that's why it's in the Bible. Right? despise not prophesying but it goes a lot further than that why would you have if every time there was a true prophecy it was a hundred percent god and no way it could be anything other why would you have to tell anybody don't despise that why well you have to tell people because there's a godward side and a manward side I've seen people start off prophesying and if the first part was God and the middle part was a mixture, 
And the last five minutes was just them. Did you hear me now? And see, you hear people get it wrong and get it wrong and get it wrong. Well, you can become averse to it. And if somebody pops up and says, Yea, thus saith the Lord, you go, Ah, here, not again. Here we go again. I wish that you should have. Well, it could be God this time. But things that come through people have the human element and factor. And so they must be judged. I said they must be judged. Whether they're of God or no. What the very next phrase say? Despise not prophesying and what? Do what? What does prove mean? Test. Some translations say test it. Test what? A prophecy? How you going to test it? Ah, we're C number one. (laughs) We're back to that, right? How you going to know? Well, two main things. If it is God, it's going to be in line with the word. And it's going to bear witness with your own spirit because the same spirit that's speaking through them is in you. Right? So he said, don't despise. I know, uh, tell you a couple of situations of why people come to where they despise. Some people, you know, again, again, it's the ditch on either side. Some people, they don't even believe in prophesying for today. Period. And then you got other people, they don't think they've had church until everybody has prophesied to everybody. And they call it prayer meeting, but really they ought to call it a prophesying meeting because that's what they come to do is prophesy to each other. Did you hear me? And we believe in this, but then there's a lot of stuff that's not right. Should you judge these things? There was this one prayer group that had a meeting and just a small group. And that's what mostly they did is prophesied each other. And uh, so they're prophesying to each other. And somebody asked, well, so-and-so's not here. You know, wonder uh, if they're going to come. Somebody popped up and said, yea, thus saith the Lord. They're not coming tonight. <laughs> well, just about that time. Uh, they saw the car pulling in in the gravel parking lot and they heard them and they popped back up. Yea, thus saith the Lord. They changed their mind. They'll be pulling in any minute now. <laughs> Another fellow was in a meeting where they had a group of uh, ministers from different denominations that got together for this particular meeting. A number of them didn't believe in being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, these kind of things. But this fellow thought this was his grand opportunity. To prophesy to all of them. And for him to shine. So he takes the floor. And he starts prophesying. And he called out this one. He said you know the Lord shows me. That you have a place high up in the city. The fellow said well I, I drive a garbage truck. <laughs> he said well. he said, Another fellow he said the Lord shows me you know. And he started prophesying to him. That he had a great singing ministry. He said my wife don't even want me singing in the shower. <laughs> and then finally got to the end. He said uh. God's got a word for somebody here named Vern. Vern, God's got a word for you. And nobody responded. And he just kept on, Vern, God's got a word for you. Vern, Vern, Vern. I mean, it went on for like 15 minutes. Finally, one of the denominational pastors that didn't believe in it, he stood up and said, Yea, thus saith the Lord, Vern's not here. <laughs> well, wasn't any of it, thus saith the Lord. 
Right? And a lot of people say, yeah, I know. And I don't go for none of that junk. And that's so that's why you despise prophesying, which is a blatant disobeying of the scripture. No, you mustn't go to that ditch. So what do you do instead? What's the very next verse? Just prove it. Test it. Right? Just prove it. And whether it's you or me or whoever it is, nobody ought to think that they're above what comes through them being judged. Right? No pastor, no preacher, no apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher ought to think that anything they preach or they teach or they pray or they prophesy is above being judged. Because they're men and women. And they can miss it. Right? So it should be judged. And around here we want to develop. And we want everybody to develop. And everybody to know how to respond and yield to the Spirit of God. But if you miss it and we tell you, nah, don't think so. That's not when you get huffy and leave. But not having this teachableness is what hinders so many churches from rising up to the place where they ought to be. Right? Hallelujah. These things should be judged. Now go back to uh, 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14, 29. Let the prophets speak two or three. And let the other judge. If anything be revealed to another that sits by, let the first hold his peace. For you may all prophesy, one by one, that all may learn and all may be comforted. So there, here is a situation where a number of people are yielding to the Spirit of God. But it's not chaotic. It's not confusing. And did you notice here, if something be revealed to another that sits by, let the first one hold his peace. Uh, there is a cognizance and an awareness that other people have the Spirit beside me. Right? And other people know things besides me. And he said, but notice this in verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are what? Subject. Subject to the prophets. The spirit of the prophets are subject to The prophets, when people get into this, God made me do this. I had no choice. I had to do it. Not true. For we know the nature of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't make anybody do anything. If he's going to make somebody do something, he'd make people get saved. Right? He'd make them come and get in the altar And get born again. If he's not going to make a lost person do that. Then he's not going to make anybody do anything. Because that's hell in the balance. That's eternity in the balance. Right? And he doesn't. And he won't. So no matter what God gives you. Or how the spirit of God moves on you. It is subject to you yielding or no. Are you with me now? And how you yield has so much to do with you. 
Now let's go back to the woman in the altar. You remember her? Screaming. Brother Hagin says she sounded like a freight train going through a tunnel. And he said, wait a minute, sister, wait. And she just screamed louder. And finally, he just took her. I mean, she's the whole service is completely disrupted. Nobody's doing anything except looking at her and holding their ears. Well, now, did the Spirit of God do this to the service? Well, then she can't help it, though. Not even the spirit of the prophets with the strongest anointings are what? Subject to them. They can yield or not. Well, then God is not making this woman scream. Now, I'm, we're getting to something here. This is her response to the moving of the spirit. So finally, he shook her. He said, Sister, shut up. (laughs) And she just looked at him. And he said he could tell the people in the crowd were aggravated at him because he yelled at her like that. They just looked at him and glared. See, a lot of people think spiritual things are as vague and indistinct to everybody as they are to themselves. (laughs) They don't understand that somebody might really know what they're doing. And he told her, he said, sister, quit screaming. The Bible didn't say. And the Spirit came on them, and they were all filled with the Spirit and began to scream. So they began to speak. They began to speak. So I'm going to lay hands again on you. And when the Spirit comes on you, don't scream. Speak. She looked at him. She said, I speak. He said, yeah, you speak. Don't scream. Speak. So, he laid hands on her again. She lifted both hands and started speaking in tongues. Been screaming for years. I had a real similar thing. Just down here in Arkansas, I was holding a meeting. It's been, oh, 10, 15 years ago, I guess. And a brother, fine man. I'm talking about one of the finest men you'd ever want to be around. Just a gentleman and a man of God, a man of integrity and character. And he had not known about being filled with the Spirit. He'd been a Christian all his life. But he hadn't known about being filled with the Spirit or speaking in tongues. And he found out about it. And he came from another state to the meeting where we were on purpose. To get in the the line and get filled with the Spirit. And I came down through the line laying hands on people. And they got filled. And I came to him and he just started shaking. (laughs) Well now... Who's making him shake? Some folk like it, some folk don't. (laughs) Who's making him shake? Well, is he being a hypocrite? Is he trying to be a phony? I'm telling you, this is one of the finest men you'll ever want to meet. He's in heaven now. Friend of mine. No. This is one of the finest. This man wouldn't have put on something for any amount of money. This is his response to the moving of the Spirit. That's all he knew to do. Did you hear me? And so, (laughs) he is sensing the anointing. I am too. I know why he's shaking. (laughs) But finally, I had to put my hands on his shoulder. I said, brother, stop. Look at me. Look at me. 
Don't shake. Speak. See, he's actually dissipating the anointing. He came up there to get filled. They're all filled with the Spirit and begin to shake. Scream. No. Do what? Speak. And he looked at me like he didn't know what to do. That was the thing. And I've been there many times. Didn't know what to do. Do you see what I'm talking about tonight though? You can rightly discern the moving of the Spirit and not know how to correctly respond or yield. Can you see this? And you can respond incorrectly and that's why all these things must be judged. Right? And so he just started shaking again. I came back by in a few minutes and I got a hold of him. I said, whoa, whoa, brother, look at me. He looked at me, tears is in his eyes. Presence of God's all over him. The the Holy Ghost is on him. He's like, (laughs) I said, brother, don't just shake, speak. He said, and he shook again. I said, no, no, don't shake. Finally, it took me about three or four times. But he started speaking in tongues. And he quit shaking. And just gave glory to God and stood there and spoke in tongues. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I was in another church. And every service. We get to a certain place and the anointing would begin to get strong. It's one guy jump up and start running. And make a lap. <laughs> I wish you could see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd here. It's like... Let me just stop right here. Do you know everything there is about yielding to the Holy Ghost? No, you don't. Nor do I. Are we hungry to learn more? Right? Do we want to respond correctly? Hallelujah. Well, next night, morning would begin to get strong. This fellow jump up and yell and take off. He's about 75. I was real happy he could run that good. I thought, man. (laughs) But it wasn't right. It was a distraction. And I could tell the brother, you know, he's had a tender heart. And he just sensed the anointing. And you know what happened? I'll tell you exactly what happened. Fifteen years ago or thirty years ago, the Spirit of God moved on him to run. And it was right to run. And he ran. And he was blessed. And it blessed the whole church. But that's the only way he really knows how to yield to the Holy Ghost. And so every time he senses the Holy Ghost. It's either run or run. <laughs> that's all he knows. How to, okay, Are you with me? Are you getting it? That's all he knows how to yield to the Spirit. And so this could answer some questions for us as to why some things have happened. And especially when you see things happen in the same way every time. Same way, same way. Because the Holy Ghost is diverse. Oh, he is so rich in his diversity. 
And when you really yielding to him, it's going to be different and different and different. And you never thought about that, never saw it that way. He's going to be revealing himself. And we must not stick ourselves in a rut and give him a choice between two or three things. We sense the anointing. Okay, we're going to scream or shake or run. Which one? You pick, Holy Ghost. And if we're really listening, he'd say, neither. This is not a screaming or shaking or running anointing. This is a praying anointing. This is a shouting anointing. This is a repenting anointing. Did you hear me? How many different ways can the Spirit move? Then how many different responses? Right? And we have limited Him by our limited understanding and knowledge of how to respond. Oh, but He's ready to teach us. He's ready. He's been ready. Are we ready to learn? I'm hungry to learn. Are you hungry to learn? I'm hungry to learn. Glory to God. But you got to be teachable. Which means you got to be correctable. Hmm? I know just a little bit. About yielding to the spirit. And a number of things I've learned. Is over the past. You know 25, 30 years. Is. uh, Didn't get it quite right. I've been in meetings with Brother Hagin. And he'd call me up to do something or this or that. And not too many times, thank God, but more than once, I'd go back to the room and I just felt lousy. I thought, man, I didn't get it. I sensed the anointing and I went this way. And the Holy Ghost was going this way. And it don't take too long running the wrong way. You realize, where is he at? Where, where are you? Oh, you're still over there. And here's where pride or teachableness comes in. If you're proud, you'll just keep going this way. So you don't look bad. But it'll be dead and dull and empty as last year's bird nest. <laughs> Dry. <laughs> I know. One of the first couple of years I was helping Brother Hagen, he had a satellite conference. And boy, this was just before the internet. And this was big stuff. I mean, there are people watching all over the world. And we're a certain place. He calls me up. Come up here, Brother Keith. And sing us a song. Well, you know, he told us many times, well, you can sing the wrong song, just kill the whole service. <laughs> no pressure. And uh, <laughs> i tell you one thing I learned through the years. You cannot be tense and yield to the Spirit. You cannot be tense and afraid. Being tense, being nervous, being afraid will keep you in the flesh. You got to be willing to, you know, if you mess up, you mess up. I'll fix it. I'll admit it. You got to be willing. And so I came up to the piano, great big beautiful grand piano. All these cameras go zoom. <laughs> Worldwide. <laughs> That's about, what, three years into the ministry? So I start playing a song, and man, I mean by the 
chorus. I sing a verse and by the chorus, I know this ain't it. Why? No anointing. No, see, where's the Holy Ghost? I'm out here by myself. Dry. Well, now I got a choice. I can either sing the other three verses of this song. <laughs> or what else can I do? Stop and do what? I did. I just stopped. Camera zoomed in some more. <laughs> I said, sorry, that's not it. And I started another direction and glory to God. That was it. That was it. That was it. That's how you learn. But when you see the effect of what you're doing and it's not blessing and you see that it's not, the anointing is not there and the help is not there. You don't just drudge on and go on and go on and beating your head against the wall. You stop. You go help me, Lord. Right? These things you don't learn overnight or in a week or two, but we should be learning more about it every month and every year, right? Developing, growing. Can you say amen? Increasing. Right? Are you with me? Well, go to John then. Glory to God. I sure didn't expect to get into all that right now. But, good. Good. Did you understand that principle? You can correctly discern the Spirit of God and the moving of the Spirit. And you can incorrectly respond to Him. Right? Don't think you got to have all this knowledge in your head. Follow your heart. You'll know. When you start to miss it, you'll know. You'll have a check. You'll have a sense in you. Oh, that's not right. That's not right. Well, what do you do? Stop right there. Quit going that way. Quit doing that. And go the other way. And we talked about this uh, last week. God spoke. Spirit of God moved. There was light. There was what? Light, not darkness. Light. And what else? He saw the light that it was good. When you yield into the Spirit of God, operating and moving with Him, it's going to be light, not darkness. Good, not bad. You don't get weird, you, you get blessed. Right? You don't get dark. It's light. It's not heavy, heavy and sad and depressed. It's good. Right? Good. John 3, are you there? John 3. Wonderful revelation right here. About the moving of the Spirit. John 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Wanted to talk to him about his ministry and the miracles. Verse 3. Jesus ministered to him by the Spirit. He didn't just respond to the questions he had asked him. He asked him about his ministry, his teachings, his miracles. Jesus didn't say, well, let me tell you about my ministry. No, he just looked at him and cut through everything and said, you got to be born again. Oh, thank God for the ministry of the Spirit. Saves a lot of time. And uh, verse 5, Jesus said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Said out loud. Flesh, flesh. is flesh. flesh. Spirit, spirit. Is, spirit. is spirit. Are they different? Yes. Oh, they are. Instead of saying flesh, we'd probably say today physical. It's probably a word we use more. Physical. Is there a difference between physical and spirit? Huge. Huge. We're already aware of the physical. We want to be aware of the spirit. Right? And those born again are born of what? We've already been born of the flesh. And this being born again, he described, he said, it's being born of the spirit. Not of the flesh. Not physically born, but spiritually born. Then get the rest of this. He said, marvel not that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it lists. And you hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell where it came from and where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Did he give us some insight right here into the moving of the Spirit? Hmm? He said the way the Spirit is, is like the wind. You don't know where the wind came from to get to you. you might have, it came from this direction, yeah, but it could have come from over there and then turned. And after it left me, where did it go? Well, I think it was going that way, yeah, but that was the second it left you, but you don't know after that. Right? Now here's something so important. Stick your hand out in front of you. Wave it. What you're waving your hand in is not nothing. Air is not nothing. Air is something. We are on the bottom of a huge ocean of air. Take a breath. Is that something or nothing? It's something. You know, a little science refresher? Hmm? What is this out here? Put your hand out again. When you move it, do you feel anything on your hand? What is it? It's not nothing. It's air. What is air? 78% nitrogen. About 21% oxygen. Well, that's most of it. It's like 98%, right? Or better. And there's, I don't know, 15 or 20 other elements that are, you know, parts per million. But it's 14.7 pounds per square inch. Resting on your head, your ear, your nose. It'd be the exact same thing as if you took a 34 foot column, one inch column of water and put it on your hand. 34 feet, one inch. Puts 14.7 pounds of pressure on your skin, on your body. Now, if you're, you know, not convinced of this, all you got to do is go up to 50,000 feet and step out the airplane. 
No, don't do it. Up above 18 or so, you can barely breathe. Unless you're really conditioned. And then up at 25,000 feet, you got just minutes. Up above 40,000 feet, you got seconds. Seconds of consciousness. Why? Because you're out of this. Move your hand again. Now the reason we don't think anything about this is because we were born in this. And from the time we exited our mother's womb, we have never been a moment when we didn't experience this 14.7 pounds per square inch all around us, all over us. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, the Bible said that's how the Spirit is. He's here too. We are in Him. He's all over us. He's all around us. Oh, can you say amen? Amen. Look at the scripture again. People that are born of the Spirit, what's it like? It's like the wind. What's wind? Air in motion. Blows wherever it lists. You don't know where it came from. You don't know where it's going. Well, in here, air is all over us. It's all around us, but we're not thinking so much about it because there's not much movement. But the last few days, if you went outside, could you feel anything? Could you sense movement? Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. You couldn't see it. You saw the effects of it. But there is the static ocean of air that you and I are in and walking in and moving in. But then there is the moving of the air. Hallelujah. Where the air moves. And when the air moves, you feel it. You're aware now. You were just sitting breathing. But now, who would you feel that? Glory to God. There's just a little slight breeze. And then there's a strong breeze. Right? We're looking for some stronger breezes. Right? We're not to get in here and beg the Holy Spirit to come. He's here. I said he's here. What are we believing for? The moving of the Spirit according to the perfect will of God. And to know how to respond. If you don't know how to respond to the wind, you can get in trouble. Right? You flying a kite? Surf boarding? Right? Parasailing? Flying an airplane? Just a little tip here. You always want to take off into the wind. Does it make any difference? Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, you take off the other direction with the wind, you can use twice as much runway. People have run off the end. They're going, why won't this thing get off the ground? See again, responding incorrectly. Did you see this? To the wind. Does it make a difference? Makes a huge difference whether you go correctly or whether you're against. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Lift up your hand and begin to thank God and praise God. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the moving of your Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hallelujah. Two more things, and then I think we'll be done for the night. John 20. Turn over just a few pages. John 20. Jesus has arisen from the dead. John 20, 21, he said to them, peace be to you. John 20, 21, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he has said this, he did what? He breathed on them and said what? Receive ye the Holy Spirit. He did what? He breathed on them. Put your hand out here again. Just hold it still. Now we're so used to it. We don't think anything about it. But we've got 14.7 pounds per square inch. Of all of these gases. Sitting on us. Okay here's something else. Now blow on your hand. Now that's different. You're able to be more aware of that. Right? Jesus did what? He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit, and they were born again. The Spirit of God came in them. How do we know? Well, look at the results later. They were not scared and hiding behind closed doors anymore. They were praising God, and they were excited, and they were giving glory to God. But he told them, wait, tear at the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. So they did. So turn right over to Acts 2. This language should mean more to us now. Right? Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. That's what they were waiting on. The fulfillment of prophecy. The day. When the day came. Has the day come? Did he come? Then are we waiting on him now? No, he's come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a what? As a what? As a what? Why? Do we want to understand the moving of the Spirit? Out of the mouth of Jesus. Out of the experience in the beginning days of the church. He's like wind. He moves like wind. He's not just wind. He's not air in the physical realm. But he moves like that. And we already know about air. And wind. So we've already got something to connect. Right? 
He said, a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Glory to God. Filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. And begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Wonder if he still moves. I said, wonder if he still moves. Turn over just a page or two. This same bunch. This same bunch. Are in a place praying in Acts 4. Acts 4.24. They all lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Does that sound similar to the first situation? Does it make any difference if you and I are in here and we're thinking in, you know, a thousand different directions? Does it make a difference? Hmm? If two-thirds of us are looking at their watch and going, ah, ho-hum, I want to get to the restaurant before it closes. And just thinking about the day and what comes next, and I don't know if I believe that. No, we got to get together. I said we got to get together. And more than two or three of us have to be more interested in the move of the Spirit than a sandwich and a glass of milk. Or watching the news or the late show or... Getting to the restaurant. I mean, a nucleus of us, at least a representation of us, a fair-sized group of us, have to begin to be hungry, 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 and covet earnestly the gifts and manifestations of the Spirit and say, Oh, God, we got to have you. We got to have a manifestation Of your spirit. It's not enough for you. And it's not enough for us. To just come and have our intellect tickled. And take some notes. And go okay see you next week. No no. God is real. His spirit is real. As real as the air around about us. And he moves as really as the wind blows. Glory to God. Everybody say real. 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 And there are reasons why he moves much more in some places than in others. Some yield. Some respond. Others quench. Either through ignorance or fear. Hard-headedness, any number of things. But you and I choose not to be in that group. Right? We are the yielders, right? We are the ones who cooperate. Can you say amen? Amen. He came in. He blew in. Is that right? He blew in. It was great sound. None of them were going, did you hear that? Mighty, rushing wind. Well, they're all filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues, and came down, acted like drunk people. Really happy. A little too happy for sober folks. So here they get to praying again. And they prayed in verse 29, Lord, help us to speak with boldness and, and stretch forth your hand to heal and, and do signs and, and wonders. What if it's not his will? 
What if it's passed away? Well, they didn't know that. Nor do we. Verse 31. Remember, they're in one place. They're in one accord, like on the day of Pentecost. They prayed. The place was shaken. Where they were assembled. I mean, the house shook. Well, that's like a wind shaking a house, isn't it? Shook that place. Glory to God. Well, this is God's place. If he wants to shake it, let him shake it. How about you? You God's man or woman? Well, let him shake you if he wants to shake you. Right? And again, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.